0: Hey everyone! Welcome to That's My Jam Stack, the podcast where we dare to ask the question: What is your jam in the Jam Stack? I'm your host Brian Robinson, and today I'm super excited about our guest. He's a principal developer experience engineer at Netlify and the host of the great video series Learn with Jason. I'm talking, of course, about Jason Langsdorf. But before we dive in, I did want to mention our sponsor. Take Shape is back again this week. I'll tell you more about them after the interview, but if you're interested in learning more before that, head on over to takeshape.io slash that's my Jamstack to find out what their content platform is all about. All right, Jason, thanks for being on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So uh, so I would hope that a lot of people in the audience know who you are, at least uh, from the past couple years, but uh, go ahead and give us a shout about who you are, what you do for work, what you do for fun, that sort of thing. Sure.
1: So I am a uh, developer experience engineer at Netlify, which means that I'm kind of in between engineering and DevRel. Um, I also host a show called Learn with Jason where I pair program with people in the community. Uh, We learn something new in 90 minutes. Um, I am also a occasional blogger. I write a lot about um, sometimes about code, mostly about the the process of coding so kind of the meta work or the yak shaving so to speak um, and uh, yeah that's uh, for fun I am a uh, I call myself a mediocre bartender I love food um, so I we cook a lot you know I'm, I'm kind of deep down a rabbit hole I make my grind my own meat and uh, you know do the <laughs> we make bread from scratch and uh, I, I like to do cocktail like you know bartending kind of stuff learn how to make my own cocktails and stuff it's, it's
0: a good time so what is the tastiest cocktail that you make the the tastiest one
1: that I make, um, I well usually I just make other bartenders' good cocktails. I I've I made one up. Uh, my partner asked me to make something that tasted like Christmas, and so I did kind of a riff on um, on like a classic Negroni build, but it was rum and spiced liqueur. So it kind of has this really uh, alpine kind of Christmasy flavor. Um, it's alpine like it tastes like a pine tree or. So the, the the one that I use is called Blur, Bluebird Alpine Liqueur, which uh, it's got like allspice and um, some kind of like fresh herbs and stuff. So it, uh, it have you had Fernet Branca? Nope. So Fernet Branca kind of tastes like mouthwash. <laughs> this is like a a a very like tuned down version of that. So it's um it it has a hint of pine, not like the taste of okay. pine. If that makes and sense. what's the uh, what's the hardest thing you've ever cooked? Ooh, great question. Um, I would say probably the hardest thing I've ever cooked is, uh, well, I mean, in terms of complexity, just Thanksgiving dinner because you you effectively have to gantt chart that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got one oven, one stovetop, and fifteen dishes to cook. So how do you make sure that everything comes out on time, still warm? Um, that you're not like trying to stack something that was supposed to cook at four fifty in an oven that's only at three twenty five. You know that that kind of stuff is all. Very challenging. Um, in terms of, of most complicated single dish, uh, any type of curry dish is really challenging. It's like, well, it it's not challenging in the sense that it is, um, it's not like French cooking where the, the techniques are challenging. It's like a billion and a half ingredients and a lot of them are hard to find or something you've never used before. Uh, so there's a lot of, like, not only learning how to use a mortar and pestle to make curry, but like trying to understand what an ingredient is supposed to taste like. Um, because, you know, if you've never used uh, like Thai basil or if you've never used uh, Thai seasoning sauce or, you know, all these these ingredients that you'll find in uh, Asian food, like, you're like, I don't even have the context to know when this is I, like, I don't know what right tastes like. So you're making a lot of wild guesses. And hoping the end product tastes like the thing that you love from the restaurant.
0: Nice. And do you, uh, do you have to make your own curry powder? Because I know that's like the best way to do uh, it. I've done it a couple times.
1: And it is definitely amazing. It is so much work. Like, it's, it's one of those things that I, I feel like if uh, it would be one of those things that would make sense if you had a bigger family. So it's just me and my partner. And to make it at the scale that we would need to to justify doing as much work as it is, we'd need to eat it like every day for two weeks. Um, and so typically what I found is that the the level of effort that goes into the really, uh, really intense stuff, like making your own, um, like making your own gyoza skins for like pot stickers and stuff. The quality difference between buying them at the store and making them at home is noticeable but marginal. The level of effort is to- it totally doesn't justify that little bit of extra flavor. Unless
0: you're doing it for like yeah. a special occasion. Even still, I might say, eh, store bought's <Yeah. laughs> fine. Depends on how special an occasion, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, so obviously we're not cooking today other than some delicious jam stack recipes. But uh, <laughs> what what is kind of your entry point into the jam stack or in the static sites if you're old enough to deal with that? Um. Yeah, so well, like entry point, like how I got into
1: it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the way that I really got into it was once upon a time I was in a band. And um, I started by customizing the CSS for MySpace. That was really what it was. It was like customizing my band's MySpace profile. And then I wanted to build an actual website for the band. So I built a, you know, totally in uh, like text edit, uh, wrote all the HTML by hand and then just uploaded it into an FTP folder on I don't even remember what the host was, some some cheap host, Blue Bluehost or, or something like that. True, host true Gator. static sites. Yeah, real, like, true static sites. So I just uploaded something into a folder, um, It was and it was gnarly. It was this table-based, like, this was before, um, th- you know what, this was before CSS, or before I knew how to use CSS. So what I was doing was doing, like, table-based sliced images to position things on the screen. Old school, it was yeah. rough. Yeah, it yeah. was rough.
0: Nice. Uh, so, so what about modern Jamstack? What, what was kind of your entry point into, into the past like five years of technology? Um, so I was working at IBM.
1: And um, we were dealing with, uh, so I worked on IBM's cloud services, uh, IBM Cloud. And we were building dashboards out. And a lot of these dashboards, it, it was just a very complicated dev stack, right? So IBM Cloud is, is microservices. So, each team owned a route. So you would own slash dashboard or slash account or slash whatever. And um, we owned slash account. So we were trying to speed up. We had some performance issues where um, we were just it was taking way too long to load a page. And when I started digging into the the tech stack, what I realized was that the way we had done microservices was to give each team a... Uh, a full node express server. And then that was setting up these proxies that were wrapping other microservices. And so we had these kind of daisy chained microservices Then, and a lot of it was just so that our local build was easy to manage. Um, and, you know, I, I have to like air quote easy because it, it was still to, to get a dev environment set up, you had to add a bunch of environment variables. You had to configure NGINX on your machine. You had to run, um, you had to have a reverse proxy running, and all this stuff it was really, really painful. And all we were doing at the end of the day was writing a React app that sent off calls to internal APIs. So I uh, I, I attacked this from, from two ways. So my, I first talked to my team about GraphQL, and we wrote a, um, a middleware kind of thing that was a it was like a normalization layer over internal API. So instead of having to write these proxies in each microservice, we built a, a normalized GraphQL layer so that the, the front ends could just call GraphQL. And then once we'd done that, we'd successfully decoupled them. So I started trying to build out proofs of concept where the front end teams weren't shipping node anymore. They were just shipping, like, static compiled assets. Um, the GraphQL was successful. the The static shipping was not. We we hit like I mean there are a million reasons for it, right? Like there's there are lots and lots of people who have very valid reasons for going lots of different technological directions. Uh, IBM's got seven hundred something engineers, uh, or just on that team, like on IBM Cloud, seven hundred something engineers, and you know there are architects at different levels. So I had my what I consider to be uh, incontrovertibly correct opinion. And then there was another team that was doing more stuff with, uh, with like, so like graph, not GraphQL, but like graph databases, and that was very server-driven. And so mm-hmm. they had what they considered to be incontrovertibly correct reasoning for doing that. And we just kind of stalemated. Um, and while I was doing that, though, I was just kind of getting burned out on the the bureaucracy and the slow pace and the 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 inability to like do stuff. I always felt like I was getting close to doing something cool. But then it would hit this this wall and it would just chug along. And it was like, okay, we're gonna do six months of meetings to do six weeks worth of work. And that's not fun. Um, so around that time, I started looking at, at Gatsby as an option for these static builds. And I was talking to the Gatsby team and uh, through, you know, just good timing they had gotten funding and were starting to hire at the same time that I was starting to reach the end of my tether at, at Gatsby or at IBM. And so I made the jump over there. Um, so that was, that was kind of where I got officially, officially into the jam. The perfect timing on, on
0: everything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, with, with yeah. 700 devs on team, things are going to move, uh, move pretty slow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the trade off that you get for like building enterprise enterprise grade software is it's going to be, relatively solid because you have so many people to cover so many edge cases, but
0: it moves glacially. So, uh, so obviously you were, you were working at getting IBM into the Jamstack. Then you moved to Gatsby and you were using, uh, pretty much primarily Jamstack technology at that point. How are you nowadays working at Netlify using Jamstack professionally, using it personally? What, what kind of projects are you working through with that? Um, I mean, I, I feel like
1: I was pretty. Pretty convinced on the Jamstack as an approach. Um, before I went to Gatsby, uh, that was you know I made a big bet on Gatsby when I went there. Um, and moving to Netlify felt like a, a a logical next step for me because what I what I really believe is that Jamstack is something that's going to give anybody a very easy on ramp into putting things on the internet, and I I feel like that's a that's a gap that was closed in the, the host Gator, use text edit and drop an HTML file into FTP. And then we we created that gap again when we got too much further beyond like the the PHP LAMP stack kind of stuff. Because now it's like, okay, well, I don't know exactly how to provision a node server or how to configure a remote. I You know, I don't want to have to SSH into a box to change something so that I can deploy it. Um, and there are services that manage that for you. But they were all kind of they're like, expensive. Um, and so Netlify has has democratized that a little bit by offering this this free hosting for Jamstack sites. Um, and the Jamstack in general simplifies the stack. So for me, it's very like, okay, we've we've created a landscape that is more friendly to more developers. And now I'm just kind of in my personal stuff and in professional stuff. I'm playing with the edges because. You know, Jamstack is a tool, it's an approach. And it's not going to solve all problems. So I'm currently in the phase where I am trying to treat Jamstack as a hammer and attempting to see every problem as a nail. Um, because I wanna I wanna see like where does it really fall down? Because there are obvious things that it can't do. Like you're not gonna do a real-time stock ticker with uh, with static files if you need that to be like server generated, like there's just you're never going to rebuild that fast, or at least not with current technology. Um, but there are a lot of things that people say, well, you can't do that with Jamstack, um, and I and I'm just trying to ask the question like, why not? Like what <laughs> what 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 stops us from doing that? So uh, so like right now, I'm building a, a Jamstack powered site where I used Hasura to set up a, a database, and then I've built a Jamstack site that. Log, I use OAuth to through one graph, which is an amazing tool if you haven't used it. Um, so one graph logs into my Netlify account and then it logs into my uh, Twitch account and then pulls in, like, from whatever site I specify, serverless functions, which is a, a way for Jamstack to, to do, like, dynamic things. And then I'm able to, using a Jamstack site, trigger sound effects on my live Twitch streams Based on this like Jamstack s- setup that I've got, so you know it you can do a lot. Like we're doing real time sound effects. We're doing persistent data where you can track things. Like um, uh, Kyle shevlin has got a cool thing that he did on his his blog where uh, if you read one of his posts and you like it, you can stroke his beard, which is a weird thing to do, but <laughs> he managed to make that persistent. So he's got a button that you can click, and it'll increment the count and say like, ah, oh, this this post has gotten like 57 beard strokes um which is really cool and and that's all done again in the jamstack highly interactive super interactive yeah you can do comments you can do all sorts of things that uh that i think are are typically typically thought of as like oh you need a server for that well this the software as a service landscape is so robust now you almost don't need a server for anything on prem like you don't need to roll your own server the vast majority of services now have a software as a service like implementation you can do comments over over saas you can do uh you know real time inc- increment uh you can do databases you can do everything that you can imagine is probably got a saas solution um when that really opens up the landscape for the jamstack where you can do so so much without ever having to to
0: stand up a server yeah those edge cases are getting smaller and smaller by the day yeah so. Cool. So, uh, uh, what would you say that your, uh, that your jam in the jam sack is what sort of technology or philosophy the process? What, what, what are you really digging on? Uh, maybe in the past year or so. Yeah.
1: Well, so I think there's, there's like the professional interest and then there is the, like, I'm excited about this interest and, and I have the benefit of like through running learn with Jason, I get to, effectively play with new and exciting stuff constantly. Um, And so I've seen a couple really, really exciting things like uh, Rich Harris came on the show and taught me about Svelte. And Svelte is incredible. It's this, you know, it's uh, this magical disappearing framework that you, you write Svelte code, but then during the build process, it compiles away all of its code and ships next to nothing. You've got these tiny little bundles and it's amazing for performance. They they use it for uh, data visualization and animation. It's it's really really incredible. Um, but then you've also got like Eleventy from Zach Leatherman, which is this uh, this amazing framework that is completely unopinionated. Like the Zach told me, he can't even tell if a site was built with Eleventy because it doesn't sh- like there's no framework there. It just generates whatever you tell it to. Um, and so those are really cool in terms of flexibility in terms of power. Uh I haven't really used them at scale though. Like I've used them for little fun projects and and I like them. I think they're super exciting. For production stuff, I'm still using uh primarily Gatsby. Um I think that Gatsby has a like the 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 way that Gatsby has approached data management where you move things to a centralized, centralized data layer and then you work as if it's a, you know, a live um you know, database powered app. And then when it builds, it kind of packages up that data to go to the site. That to me is something that we, we're still not really seeing in a in a lot of the Jamstack ecosystem. And that makes Gatsby like, you know, it's a little complex to set up because you gotta learn GraphQL, you gotta do all the you you've got tools under the hood, so it's hard to tell where the boundaries are between like Gatsby and Reach, or between Gatsby and Relay, between Gatsby and and you know, React. So what are you? Where did you hit the issue? Right. So um, there are some, it's maybe not as beginner friendly as, well, I'm, nothing's beginner friendly anymore because everything's like, you know, it's turtles all the way down, right? Like everything's an abstraction of an abstraction of an abstraction. Um, so beginners are going to start wherever they are and they're going to learn their layer of abstraction. And then, like if there's a need, they're going to go deeper. Um, I think that Gatsby has an incredible tutorial, uh, incredible documentation. And so, to me, that that makes it the the safest production to- choice for um, React-based developers. Like, you know, if you're if you're an Angular dev, like I think uh, Scully just shipped, which is really cool. And if you're a Vue dev, um, there's like Nuxt and Gridsome that both have really cool options. So you know, I think there are a, a lot of really fun ways to to solve these problems. But yeah, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I don't know, I, I just like playing with stuff, so. <laughs> <laughs> a, a big fan of everything, Yeah, right? yeah, I like it all.
0: Uh, cool, so uh, let's, let's talk about music then. Uh, what's, what's your jam right now uh, uh, in your ears? Um, I have been listening to just so much, uh, we,
1: like, st- I, so I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole, right? So I got really into Anderson Because um, I just never really heard anyone who did what he did. Um, and then like I also started taking music lessons from this uh, this guy named Joe in Brooklyn who's a, a producer and he works with a lot of like underground hip hop acts and and like smaller names, but he's worked with people that, that uh, people who are into hip hop may have heard of like Earl sweatshirt and, and folks like that um, so through that, I've been on this very odd adventure of like let's just fall down the the Spotify rabbit hole of of all of these really really interesting things and i just found an artist that i love i got to look up her name though because i am blanking on it right now sampa the great or sampa the great i don't know how to how she actually pronounces her name but um yeah like this track called final form it is unbelievable it's so good i can i'll send you a link to it um it's like Kind of, it's like in the Kendrick Lamar vein of of hip hop, where it's like solid wordplay. It's uh, it's pretty like you know, it's like, it's like socially positive or largely
0: socially positive, and uh, you know, it's it's really, really, it's good. Nice. All right, so uh, is there anything that you would like to promote to kind of get out to the Jamstack community as a whole?
1: Um, keep like, keep trying things. Um, one of the things that I think is really, really important as Jamstack developers is. Keep in mind that this is still a relatively new approach, and that a lot of the the we're taking a lot of things that were common knowledge and we're rediscovering them. And so, part of what I think is important as we get into the jamstack is is first, don't treat this like it's brand new. It's not. This is this is stuff that we have been doing for a long time. Um, so instead, start looking for like where where do the abstractions make sense, and where like what is it comfortable to do. Um so not what can we twist jamstack to make possible, but like where does it really feel right? Um you know, so with the the SaaS based stuff or using software as a service as a data layer to back this completely static front end, like to me that feels great. It uh it seems to solve all the problems that I want, it gives me it gives me really good control. Um, so I would recommend like go check out some of the the Various software as a service platforms. If you need a good idea of what some of those are, just go look at Gatsby's data source plugins, um, because it's going to list just a ton of services and things that they do that you could integrate directly into a, a Gatsby site right now, um, or with a little more effort, you could you could integrate into any Jamstack solution by just using their APIs at build time. Um, so yeah, go play, go do some dynamic stuff because it's it's so much fun. Um, if, if I can self promote a little bit, yeah. I have, uh, on, on Frontend masters and on egghead, some courses on both Gatsby and the Jamstack where it, it talks through how to like, we walk through projects that do some of the more dynamic stuff. So you can get an idea of how it works and then just go out and continue pushing those
0: boundaries. Awesome. And you'll send me those links and I'll put them in the, uh, in the show notes. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. And I hope you keep doing amazing things at all the different uh, jamtech companies you've been with, but with Netlify uh, going forward.
1: Thanks so much. I appreciate having
0: you having me on. Hey everyone, it's Brian again. I wanted to point out two quick things before I let you go. First, I wanted to point out that people discovering podcasts can often be you know, review and ratings based. So if you've got two minutes today and are enjoying this podcast, head on over to, to the Google Play Store, Apple Podcasts, or really wherever you're listening to the show right now and, uh, and write a short review. It'll help more developers find out about this amazing community that we're all living in. The second thing I wanna talk about is of course our sponsor, TakeShape. They're a really well-crafted content platform for the Jamstack. And and what's a content platform? Uh, Well, TakeShape doesn't just provide a CMS, though you can can certainly just use their CMS if you want to. They also have a static site generator, a GraphQL API, and a new mesh product, which is working to combine multiple APIs into one easy to use GraphQL-based API. So if any of those things strike your fancy, and to be honest, all of them do for me, Head on over to takeshape.io slash that'smyjamstack to sign up. As always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week with a new interview. Until then, keep doing amazing things on the web, and keep things jammy.